Well, good morning, Dr. Atwater. You're sure up early this morning? What can I get for you? I only have time for coffee this morning, Mrs. Delmore. I'm in a bit of a hurry. Nothing can be so important that you can't have some kind of breakfast. Here, sit down and I'll bring you some toast with your coffee. Do you have time for that? You drive a hard bargain, Mrs. Delmore. Why, Sheriff Trumbull, I haven't seen you here in such a long time. Morning, Betty. I'm just getting back from Portland. Uh, thought I'd drop by for a cup or two before going to the office. Uh, I don't believe we've met. Uh, I'm Sheriff uh, Pete Trumbull, and you are... Um... I'm Dr. Richard Atwater. The doctor is staying on until they finish up the work at the old Hammond place. He's one of them that work up at the hospital. I, uh, I, uh, I moved up from Boston, did you? Mm-hmm. I've been meaning to come around and say hello. Could I get some cream, Betty? Here you go. You look all done out, Pete. Did something happen down in the town? No, no, no. It uh, happened a few counties away. Some government types uh, alerted all the local law enforcement in the area. Turned up a body some 40 miles out of Biddeford. Called us all out in the middle of the night for some meeting. Oh, my goodness. A murder? Yeah, some poor guy got cut up all to hell. I wouldn't worry, no, no. The one that did it would either run south or try for the border. Won't be coming this way, I reckon. I wonder what the world is coming to. No place is safe anymore. Uh, yeah, folks like you got nothing to worry about, Betty. The one that got it was a lawman, one of them FBI agents. I kind of feel bad. His wife's expecting, I hear. What a shame. There really is no justice for some. More coffee, Doctor? Oh, my. Are you all right, Doctor? You look as if you've seen a ghost. There are some areas of the human mind, and indeed of the world we live in, that were never meant for investigation. There are always those who delve into the darker worlds of knowledge, and many pay with their sanity for their interest. Some of these unfortunates are taken in by the Hayward Foundation, an organization that studies paranormal experiences and their effects on humanity. It is cases such as these that are sent to a restored mansion in a small coastal town in Maine, a center for the care and study of the insane. Since the 1920s, this place has been known as the Hayward Sanitarium. Three, two, one. You are now fully awake and aware of your surroundings. Oh, Dermot, I see that our time has run out again. I would like to say something before I go. Yeah? Well, I found our last few sessions very encouraging, and I feel that we're making very remarkable progress. After our first session, I admit I had some rather negative impressions, but lately I've been quite impressed. I see. Is that some sort of compliment? Take it any way you like. Okay. Listen, I've been meaning to ask you something. You've never had a problem with being candid, Dermot. Go ahead. Well, Doc, I feel that I would... Well, I'd appreciate it if you'd try to have me sent to another institution. I really don't make those kind of decisions, Dermot. Why would you want to be relocated? Do you have a problem with me? Oh, no. No, Doc. It's not you. Well, then what's the matter? Forget I asked. I'm sort of shagged, Doc. 
All right, then. Uh, orderly, we've finished in here. You may open the door now. Our next session isn't for a few days, Dermot, but if you feel like you want to talk, I can try and arrange something. Just let a nurse or an orderly know. Doctor? Well, yeah. Well, I'll see you later. You may escort Mr. O'Brien back to his room. I'm going to stay here and finish some notes. Don't worry, I'll lock the room. Just leave the door open as you go. Certainly, Doctor. Oh, Dr. Atwater, I didn't know this room was reserved. Am I interrupting anything? No, not at all, Dr. Chandler. I'm actually waiting for Dr. McCloud. I just finished a session in here. If you need the room, I can wait outside at the desk. Well, I'm sure that won't be necessary. I have a few minutes before my patient arrives, and Malcolm is usually very punctual. Are you settled into the routine yet? Finding my way around the mansion is really the hardest part. <laughs> really, though, things are going very well. It surprises me that I've only been here a couple of weeks. I guess this place has sort of a timelessness about yes, it. Yes, I suppose it has. Your cases are all doing well, I hope. We aren't bogging you down too much, are we? Well, I prefer to keep busy. I've always been sort of a workaholic. My cases are quite interesting, and certain ones are very encouraging. Oh, that's good to hear. Dr. Bailey often complained about some of his patients. Mm. He said it seemed hopeless with certain individuals. Well, I don't like to think of any case as hopeless. Well... I hope you can maintain your enthusiasm. Good day, gentlemen. I hope I haven't kept you, Richard. Uh, no, right on time. I want to discuss those changes we talked about in the O'Brien case with you. Changes? Has the poor fellow lapsed further? No, George. He's improving. Quite a lot, actually, since Atwater came on. Well, actually, we've just made some changes in O'Brien's pharmacological course. He becomes more lucid daily. There is still quite a bit to work out, though. He's absolutely convinced of his delusions. It will take some time. Well, I don't want to infringe on any more of your time, Doctor. Have a good session. Goodbye, George. Goodbye. Yes. Yes. Hello? Dr. Atwater, there's a call for you on line three. It's from Boston, Mr. Cardamon. Oh, oh thank you, Agnes. Uh, send it right down. Certainly. Hello, Richard. Justin. Oh, it's good to hear from you. How's everything back in Boston? Same as always. Sorry I didn't return your call sooner. I got back a few days ago, but I'm just getting into the office this morning. I hope it wasn't anything urgent. No, no, no. Tell me, how was Jamaica? We got some really good interviews with this 85-year-old Mambo. Mm -hmm. She was tough to find, but when we finally did track her down, she gave us over nine hours of tape. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, tell me, did you come back by way of Louisiana? Yeah, and I saw my mother for two days. She's doing a lot better since the operation. And how's Jenny? She should be starting school this fall, right? Mm, kindergarten. She's still with my folks. Mm -hmm. She loves it out there on the farm. I talk to her about every other day, but... I probably won't be able to break away from here until Christmas to go see her. Gee, that's tough, Richard. You must really miss her something fierce. Yeah. Listen, the reason I called you was to invite you up for the weekend. Oh. They're finishing up my house this week so I can finally start moving my things in. Uh-huh. I get the picture, Richard. Trying to get a little free labor, huh? <laughs> well, it wouldn't hurt to have another hand. But that's just an ulterior motive. I actually have a case up here that I'd like to talk to you about. 
Did you ever hear about Dermot O'Brien? That Irish guy who went crazy in Massachusetts? Sure, I've heard of him. Is he up there? Yes, he's one of my patients. Ooh. Listen, Justin, I think there's something fishy going on up here. Mm-hmm. O'Brien was in Haiti doing voodoo research prior to his breakdown, and, well, since it's your forte, I thought I could get you to take a look at his files for... Hello? Justin, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, that's strange. I thought I heard something on the line there for a second. Well, anyway, some time up in the country would do you some good. The fall colors are fabulous, and the mm-hmm. town is just... All right, all right. I'll be there Thursday afternoon, all right? Should I drive out to the sanitarium? Well, the movers are bringing my things at around one thirty, so I'll probably only be out here in the morning. Okay, well, I'll see you in a couple of days, then. Uh, go shrink some heads, buddy. I've got to get busy with my reports if I'm going to be taking off this weekend. Great. I'll see you on Thursday, Justin. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Fish caps on the wharf. Okay, all right. I got it this time. Now, uh, Gwen. Jesus. You do the round in the east ward. Uh, I'll take the maximum wing. Now, I'm going to lock the pharmacy for the night when I leave. So make sure you have everything on the lists. Yeah, it's all here. Yeah. Okay, Fred. Let's go wake everybody up. Get your sleeping pills. Yeah, I gotta push him first. Well, carry on, Mr. Elliot. 
Be careful to make sure the doses are correct. I will, sir. Too many people do not realize the importance of correct dosage in the chemical treatment of the insane. Good night. I just finished some work with the night attendants, and I thought I'd come up here. You know, to get out of the office for a while, before I finish my dictation. What are you up to, Chester? Oh, just came by to build a fire. I got the whole place to myself at night, except for the wards. Oh, well, don't let me stop you. Go right ahead. Yeah, looks like that Indian summer's up and left us in a hurry. Now, a chill has a way of creeping into your bones on a night like this. It did get nippy this week, didn't it? Oh, uh, tell me, did you get your tree pruned in time? Yep, just gotta wait out the winter now. I think she'll pull through all right. No, I'm happy to hear that. You know, this is quite a room. I don't think I've ever been up here before. Was this the original library? Sure enough. It's left just as it was when the last Mrs. Haywood passed on in 28. It's one of the few rooms in the house that looks the same as when I was a nipper. There. That's got her going good. Now, Dr. Brooks had mentioned that you had been here for all of your life. Did you actually grow up here? Oh, that's right. My family have been here as long as the Haywoods. Really? How so? Well, my great-great-great-grandfather came over as Ezekiel Haywood's cabin boy in 1767. Hmm. Since that time, the Dooleys have always sailed with the Haywood ships. Oh, did you actually get to sail with them? No. I was a young'un when the remains of the fleet were sold off after the Great War. After that, it was all the foundation. No ships to hold them. My own family moved off. I'm the only one who ended up staying around. You know, it's funny. For all the time I've actually worked for the Hayward Foundation, I've never heard much of anything about the Hayward family. Did you actually know someone? Uh, as a boy, I remember Catherine. She was the last of them. That's her up there, left of the mantelpiece. Well, she's very beautiful. All right, she was. These are all the Haywoods hanging on the walls of this room. Bulwarks of a fine family. Mm. Round over there, that be old Ezekiel. Came out to the New World after a disagreement with his own father. About the slave trade, so I've heard. Well, the slave trade must have been very profitable in the 1760s. Who's the next portrait next to him? Well, that'd be Jedediah. That's Ezekiel's firstborn. Uh, Ezekiel had another son by the name of Caleb by his second wife. But Caleb never sat for a portrait, and I doubt they would have found room for it anyway. Really? Why not? Well, you see, the two half-brothers were bitter enemies. Mm. Caleb tried to kill Jedediah, and then he ran off to sea. There's some that say he sailed on the Mary Celeste. But the Celeste? Uh, Jedediah then built this mansion in 1820. And then he fathered Elijah uh, there on that other wall. 
Now, Elijah looks very young for that picture. Ah, he died young. He used to run clippers around the horn. That ship's wheel above the mantle there is from his ship, the Camille. It was lost with all hands in 1843. Hmm. And next to him, is that his son? Aye, that'd be Jacob. He was born a month after Elijah drowned. Grew up listening to his mother pace the widow's walk up on the roof. My great-grandfather served alongside him in the Union Navy during the war between the states. Jacob was the one that married Catherine, and he was the last of the seafaring Haywards. But Jacob wasn't the last Hayward. Isn't it the James Hayward Foundation? Aye, but there's never been a portrait of Jamie in this house. And why is that? Well, it was this way. My own father was born a little after Jamie was. Like night and day, the two were. My pa grew up strong and just full of juice. But young Jamie was a sickly lad. Kept in his bed most of the time, barely able to hold his breath. In fact, he never left the nursery upstairs. Mama! Mama, can I go out to play now? I suppose so, Jamie, darling. But see that you're careful now. And mind your nurse. Yes, mother. Jamie, Jamie, wait for me. Jamie, Jamie. Get out of that tree, Jamie. Can't you see the storm coming? Oh, please, Annie. I'll come down in a minute. I promise. Oh, all right then. But don't climb too high now. Oh, it'll probably do the poor boy good. I can see the whole town from here. And the bay, too. Look, all the boats are coming in. Ah! Ah! Oh, my Lord! Mrs. Hayward, help! The thunder must have startled him so that he lost his grip. The nurse and some of the other servants got him inside while my grandpa went for the doctor. Well, Jacob, I think the boy is out of danger now. But he'll have to be watched carefully for quite some time. Besides the fractured arm, he has a severe concussion. I try to keep him as still as possible for the next few days, and I'll be back to see him tomorrow. Well, thank you for coming out in such a hurry, Arthur. I, I really appreciate it. Let me see you to the door. The tree. The tree. Don't let it get me. Jamie was bedridden for almost a month. He had developed a fever of some sort. He had all sorts of odd hallucinations. Mommy! Mommy, the tree is trying to get me again! There, Jamie, you were just having a bad dream. Would you like a glass of water? No! I want Mommy! Mommy! What is it? What's wrong, Jamie? It's another bad dream, ma'am. The tree is trying to get me again. It said it was going to break the window and come in and get me. Don't let it get me. Hush now, Jamie. It was just a dream. The tree doesn't want to hurt you. It pushed me. No, it was just the thunder that startled you when you fell. Trees don't mind little boys climbing them. Trees like to play with children. No, this tree says bad things to me when I'm alone. It says it's going to get me when you aren't here. It says I shouldn't have touched it. Should I make up another sleeping drop, ma'am? Yes, Anna, why don't you do that? Now, Jamie... I want you to try and get some sleep now so that you will be well again. Don't leave me. The tree is going to get me. Here you are, ma'am. Thank you. 
Now, I want you to drink this like a good boy. Okay. Thank you, sweetie. Please don't leave me. I won't, Jamie. Oh. Now, lay down. Tuck yourself oh. in. Lullaby and good night. Go to sleep now. He's asleep now, poor thing. Would you like a cup of tea, ma'am? Yes, please. Just bring it up to my room. I wish Jacob wasn't at sea. He's so good with the boy. Yes, ma'am. in here. Oh. Well, they don't come in here much. Just old records around here. This wallpaper looks Victorian. Hey, this room hasn't been renovated, has it? Not really much point to it. I suppose not. The tree still hits the window, though. Don't you ever prune it? Well, sure. Every other year or so. Always seems to grow back, though. So what happened to the boy? Did his health ever improve? Uh, somewhat. He was scared to death of that tree, though. Wouldn't go near it. When Jacob returned from his voyage, the boy was just recovering his strength and starting to go back outside. Trust me, Catherine, I know I'm right about this. It will be good for the lad to confront his fears. It'll teach him a lesson about life. He'll thank us for it later. But he's just a boy, Jacob. And he's never been very healthy. Well, tomorrow I'll show him that this tree is nothing to fear. <clears throat> Would you be having coffee tonight, sir? Yes, I'll take it in my study. Now then, you cannot spend your life in fear of trees, James. It just won't do. I'm not afraid of trees, Father. I just know this one will get me. Come now, James. A tree is just a plant. It's not alive like you are. They don't think, and they certainly don't try and get little boys. But this tree talks, Father. It told me it was going to get me. No, James. You just thought the tree spoke to you. Look, you were very sick, and you imagined it. Sick people sometimes imagine things that seem very real, but they are just in your imagination. But, Father, the tree spoke to me before I fell. Listen to me, son. Trees do not talk, and this tree will not get you. Do you think that I would let anything happen to you? No, Father. Good, then. Now you're going to climb this tree. No! You have to, James. If you don't, you'll be afraid for the rest of your life. You don't want to be a coward, do you? No, Father. Then you must climb the tree, James. I'll try, Father. I can't! I can't! James! James, come back here! James! So, did he ever climb the tree? Well, the story takes a turn, Doctor. You see, Catherine came into the boy's room in the morning. Jamie! Jamie, darling! Oh! Oh! Jacob! Jacob! Catherine, Catherine! Oh! Oh, oh my God! What have I done? Oh. Catherine, avert your eyes! Nurse! Nurse! The window was all oh. smashed in. What have I done? 
Seems a lion squall had come up in the middle of the night. Either the wind or the lightning had hit the tree or something. Well, sir, the boy was lying dead in the branches. Dead? It was all sort of wrapped up in him, cut by the broken glass. Crushed to death? No, sir. The doctor pronounced that he'd been strangled. Strangled? But that's... The way my pa told it, it looked like the branches had broken the window and come right into the room. No one ever figured out how it happened. T'was a true tragedy. He was their only son, and... So without an heir to the fortune, they began the foundation. Uh, Catherine did that later on. Jacob was a broken man after Jamie's death. He clung to the guilt like an anchor, and it dragged him to his grave. It was the missus that started the whole foundation business, was trying to contact the other side. What, spiritualism? Uh, some called it that. She had mystics and mediums and such like, began studying the darker world. Then she was led to the doctors and started caring for those that had gone mad from mysterious causes. When she died, she left the house and the entire fortune in a trust to further the study of the supernatural. And it all started with a little boy they just refused to forget. Uh, you know, the staff used to swear they could hear him crying when the wind swept through the branches of that old elm. Well, come on, Doctor. It's getting late. Best see you out because the dogs will be loose at this hour. I tried, Father. I really tried. Mr. O'Brien, you're awake. So much the better. I've got something for you. I've got something for you, too, as soon as you get out of this jacket boil. Uh, we'll just have to see that that never happens, hmm? Uh, this will sting for a second, but you know the routine by now. What's that? This is the best thing for someone like you. I thought Dr. Atwater was cutting down the injections. Yes, that's right, he is. So why do I feel like a pincushion? Really, Mr. O'Brien, I imagine you'll feel much worse than that. What's that supposed to mean? Oh, no. well, still now. Oh, no. Oh, God, it's happening. Oh, God, I can see them. Yeah, that's more like it. Oh, no. Those eyes, they see through me. God, get your hands off me. Get them off me. Just like the good old days, eh, Dermot? Oh, God, let me go. I don't want this. Oh, God. Oh, oh my God. No. God, no. Oh. You have been committed to Hayward Sanitarium. Written, directed, and produced by Matthew Bocco and David Johnson. Executive producer, Tony Brewer. Engineering and Foley team led by John Weber and Richard Fish, including Dan McDevitt, John Duvall, Lara Britton, and Doug Black. Featuring Sharon Beichman, Mike Kelleher, Joel Marsh, Tom Hollicky, John Vollmer, Karen Atkins, Mike Sherman, Jim Fields, Russ Levitt, Cheryl Dameron, Darren Kincaid, 
Sue Havlish, Richard Fish, and Nate Sanders. Studio facilities provided by Lodestone Productions and Mark Hood. Copyright 1993. Hayward Sanitarium is a last-minute production.